0: to jump scare and betty and i'm shad this week we cover dean Kuntz whispers 1990 why didn't i lock it that night
1: so safe
0: then he wouldn't have come in so clever and i wouldn't have had to kill him
1: she killed once i could never kill again she killed me never but now i'm Fear shouts. Terror. Whispers. Whispers. Now in paperback.
0: So it's Novel to Scream month. Ah. And this is our third film, uh, I should say film adaptation, that we decided to do. And I've never heard about this movie. Obviously, if you have listened to... I would say probably the beginning of our podcast, like the history of our podcast, you would know that Shad is an avid reader. I used to be an avid reader for a really long time, but I'm really picky and mostly children's literature because I that was where I worked for a really long time. But you actually read this novel.
1: Yes, a long time ago.
0: And you suggested this film. And I was like, oh, no. And then I found out Chris Sarandon was in it. And I was like, sold, bitch. I'm there. (laughs) I don't care. I'm going to be. He's in the movie. I'm going to watch the movie. Um, This movie also stars Victoria Tennant, who plays Hillary, the main star of the film. It's not Chris Sarandon, shockingly. And she's actually, uh, for you old-timers out there, <laughs> I shouldn't say old-timers, this movie's the movie I'm about to say is not that, it's it's old, but it's not like 50 years old. Uh, she was in Flowers in the Attic. She played the mother. Yeah. Uh, and she's done some other. She's done some
1: other things here and
0: there. She, but she was also in The Handmaiden's Tale, not the TV show that's currently on. Yeah, but the
1: movie that came out the same year as this, I think.
0: Yes, in 1990, Correct. So she was a little, little haughty, you know. Like, hot meaning people wanted her to be in their movies.
1: And of course, we know uh, Chris Sarandon has been in a ton of shit. We know everything he's been in from Fright Night Fright to Child's Play Night. to everything in between.
0: One of my favorite films ever made Fright Night, not Child's Play
1: um Although, Charles, Smith, Charles Smith's good the original's pretty good
0: no it, it's 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 good it but, was
1: it was novel when it first came out
0: yeah it's fine It you know there's the weird things where it's like you know I mean obviously you know it's not a doll but it's like a person in a costume running around yeah that's that's like the freaky I guess that part is like the freakiest part because it's like the size is yeah. a little off you're like uh did he grow did yeah. they, someone put him he in got water just a little bigger So, yes, Chris Sarandon, I mean, mean, he's Jack Skellington. I mean, he's everybody. He's in anything, everything, and he's everything to me. I love him. He's miraculous. He's in this film. Spoiler alert, he's not miraculous in this film. (laughs) (laughs) For multiple reasons that we will disclose. And did you recognize any other people in the film?
1: there really it wasn't there's a few like minor character actors you've seen in things from time to time but other than that those were the really the big two that you would recognize from anything so i'm going to go
0: off and say the beginning of the film the the film starts okay i'm like okay okay and i'm like mm, i don't know this music sounds just like and also the film looks like an episode of Friday the 13th the series which is like one of my favorite horror series ever made. Um, a lot of people might disagree that that is a really terrible one, but I find it very enjoyable. And actually, i come to find out uh, via more research that Fred Mullen actually composed the music for the film, who also did, dun-dun-dun, Friday the 13th series. And Friday the 13th part... Was it
1: and Seven and eight. Seven and eight. <laughs> he did music for those. And also the director of this movie, Doug Jackson, also directed episodes of Friday the 13th, the series. Along with the Ray Bradbury Theater, Twilight Zone. He's done a lot of anthology shows and a lot of TV shows over the years. So Fred Mullen... I recognized
0: your music. It's very recognizable for anyone that has seen Friday the 13th multiple
1: times like I have. And the look of it is because this is all filmed in Canada, much like Friday the 13th. Yes. There's a very distinctive look to where they're filming it that you just know right away. It's like, oh, this is Canada. supposed to be New York or Chicago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And this is going to probably sound even more strange. It wasn't so much the area that they filmed it in. It was like the film used, the camera that they used. It, it's just, it reminds me, also, <laughs> this is going to be like way left field. Also looks like Degrassi, like the original Degrassi, which is also a Canadian. So it has like a specific style. So the movie is uh, about a woman who is attacked by a psychopathic killer. And she kills him. And he decides, yeah, I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to keep coming after you. And she kills him. I feel like she kills him like 29 times in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) She kills him. (laughs) She fights him a lot. I was actually very surprised for it being 1990 that the woman was like, Freaking no holds bar. Like, I'm going to beat. I mean, she's not like, she's like an average sized woman. This is a big dude.
1: Yeah. But she doesn't hold back. She's kicking, fighting, stabbing. She goes after him. She doesn't just, you know, hide in the corner and scream.
0: Yeah. Also, they've done, they did a lot of actual, actually, they did a lot of things in this film that I had not seen for movies in that time frame. Another thing they had besides the fact that she fights him and she's very ballsy with her killer she also does something where when she kills him this happens if anyone of you have ever watched a horror film or any movie where there's people fighting and then they kill the person and you're like oh finally they kill him. and then you're like but shoot him in the head do something to him or her to freaking get the blow like come on and this person's, like, we don't need them coming back, okay? <laughs> we do, That's what we don't need. She actually shoots after the whole fighting thing. She's, you know, she bl- bludges him in the head or whatever. She, she goes and points the gun at him. And I'm like, oh, my God, this bee is going to shoot this guy. Like, she's going to kill him. But she shoots to the side of his head, like, she to the says, left.
1: like, to him. I'm going to shoot you in the back of the head just to make sure you're dead. Yep. And then she fires right next to him just to see if he'll flinch or move or anything. And, hey, he just lays there quietly.
0: He does. Which you, right there, you should know that he was fucking nuts. Because he does not move. Not an eyelash. Bad hit. Okay? But then then here he comes like Michael Myers. like
1: He pops right up back after her. So, yeah. It was a good attempt on her part, but she should have just shot him in the back of the head and been done with it.
0: Um, you also will remember the killer's name because it is said multiple times in the film oh
1: Bruno Clavel
0: <laughs> yes Bruno Clavel <laughs> she knows her assailant and here comes Chris Sarandon who's playing Tony and you know the other cop guy which I forgot what his name is his partner man is his partner ever the stereotypical 80s misogynistic racist like everything bad every kind of ism
1: this guy has it he is just the fucking worst and you know he she- uh he just practically walks into the apartment and goes ha broads what are you gonna do with him and you're like what you're not even gonna ask like what happened like, nah She made this shit up. Did you see
0: the length of her skirt? Wink, wink. She deserved that attempted rape. I'm like, um, what?
1: (laughs) What is going on right now? Fortunately, you have Chris Sarandon a little more normal who's like, uh, no, I think we should still investigate this. I don't think she had this coming.
0: Yeah. And then they're like, "Uh, Bruno Clavel. He is like a prestigious man in our community. He would have never done any of this. He is well known. Who are you? Nobody. You're just a broad. Cavell. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, you know, he disappears for a second and Chris Sarandon continues with the investigation, you know, interrogating her. And uh, he comes back. He's good. Guess what? Brunner Cavell is in his home relaxing smoking a fucking cigar like whatever the fuck he tells him he's like <laughs> he's 100
1: miles away he, he couldn't have been here unless he fucking teleported it couldn't have been bruno
0: there's no way that you and then and then she proceeds to tell him that she actually had met him before because she interviewed him for some book that she was doing and that's how she knew of him and you know obviously it was a shock to her that this fucking guy just showed up at her house who let's talk about this place that she lives it's an abandoned art loft like what the fuck is it
1: because they- <laughs> it's one of those strange apartments they show on movies where like you go into you open a door and step right like into an elevator and then take the elevator and the elevator door just opens right into the apartment there's no like door between like no like, you know, like lobby or anything, you just you step off the elevator and you're in the apartment. Yeah. Which is weird. I I don't think that would be a g- way I would want to live, you know, because all somebody does is get in the elevator, they just come right up in your apartment. That's just weird.
0: The first like movie that comes to mind that has something like similar to that is Tales from the Dark Side the Gargoyle story. Yeah. It has that
1: same Which was probably filmed in Canada. So maybe this is a thing. <laughs> maybe this is a thing that happens in Canada and we just don't know about it.
0: There are places, there are apartments like that in New York where you just, voila, like you open up whatever the third floor is just like one apartment. It's like a big ass, you know, place. It maybe had been like a factory or something like that. And then they make them into like lofts, you know, but this loft is like very intricate there's it's like indoor outdoor like you go in (laughs) one door now you're in the stairway but then you're also in the fucking kitchen like i don't know this is like i was like is david bowie gonna show up as a fucking labyrinth like what's going on in this damn
1: loft probably what this is is like we have a whole bunch of sets that we're going to use that aren't really connected anyway so we're not going to be really specific about where that we never really saw them go from room to room they were just in one room in the next So, they probably just had a bunch of sets that didn't really match up, and they're just like, fuck it, this is her weird, like, writer's apartment. She's a writer. They have weird places. Everybody will accept that.
0: Frank is the name of the cop. Ah. Frank and Tony, because, of course... Those are the
1: most generic names ever for cops.
0: Hey, Frank. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, Frank. Like, you know, they're in New York somewhere, and they they need to have these names. Um... What was up with the theatrics of the whispering? Like, the cy- site. <laughs> okay, we understand, obviously, the, the name of the film is Whispers. Later on, you find out what that, you know, what that's about. But he's, like, if, if there was someone attacking me, and he tells me, like, I'm gonna kill you, and then I'm going to fuck you. Like, I'm... I don't even know, like... <laughs>
1: I'm going to put a stake through your heart and make sure you don't come back from the dead again. And he kept calling her
0: Catherine, you know, you're a vampire, Catherine. I'm going to kill you. Like, like, what's going on in this film? I was not into the film whatsoever. I was like, I felt like I should be looking around saying, hello, is anyone else watching this with me? What the fuck is going on? What is this movie? And we're not even into the depths of the movie. This is just literally the first, like, 15 minutes of the film.
1: Yeah, you get, it, this movie gets really weird. Uh, you know, you've got the two cops that... They leave and they go off the next morning. They call... They give her, like, a number for a locksmith. They tell her, change the locks, make sure nobody can come in. So, she changes the locks. But, of course, you know, Bruno Clavel, being the expert that he is, he just gets right back in the apartment because... I, He was parked like a block away because the police didn't really bother to search for anything like that. He gets right back in, tries to kill her again. Like the same night. Yeah. The same night. And then he's
0: like, you know what? I'm going to just hide out here on top of the motherfucking
1: elevator and take a nap. Yeah. He tries to get her again. Of course, he, he fails. But she gets away. But... This time she stabs him pretty good and they find the body uh, a little ways away. They find the guy's dead body and they ID it as Bruno Clavel.
0: Bruno Clavel. And they're
1: like, oh, the, cop, the other cop, Frank, is like, maybe, uh, maybe we're lying about that being Bruno after all since we just, you know, found his body over here. Stabbed, like you said. Sorry about that. Also felt like he wasn't wearing a shirt. Yeah. And then, you know, immediately Chris Sarandon and her just hook up. They're like, She's, she feels at first, like, oh, I don't date cops. Then immediately fucks Krista Randon. No, you jumped. for
0: You went straight to the sex scene. That doesn't happen until, like, yes. They Five do.
1: minutes later. I'm sorry. They talked for a little bit.
0: I feel like they had sex after the whole visit to the morgue. So they go to the morgue, okay? The cops go to the morgue. They Whatever. She, she comes. She's supposed to meet them there. She IDs oh, the body. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Yes, this is the most important part for me because it's my <laughs> favorite part of the fucking movie. She, you know what? It's like in student bodies, like the fucking kid, he's, oh, oh, plastic bags make me hot. Like, there was always weird shit that fucking turned him on. She visited the morgue and saw the dead body after she was like, dead bodies make me hot. And then
1: she had sex with Chris Sarandon.
0: But before all of that...
1: Oh, yeah, the scene she, where they're just going down and they always have... Every, like, 80s and 90s, they've kind of abandoned this now. Like, once CSI and all these shows got popular, where they made, like, a serious pathologist and all this. But in the 80s and 90s, every time you went to visit the morgue, the coroner or whoever was in charge was always a wise cracking guy eating a sandwich.
0: Yeah, eating a sandwich, Yeah. He's
1: always carrying a sandwich around. Eating the lettuce the is, dead.
0: like, hanging out.
1: Yeah, or meat's hanging out. Or he's just, like, you know, he's just eating right over the corpse, like... No gloves, nothing. He's just eating. He'll go, oh, let me get the body for you. He'll pull the corpse out, then just go right back to eating the sandwich, because that's just the way it was.
0: Oh, man. And there's just bodies everywhere. Yeah, I don't... Like
1: Whatever town in Canada this was supposed to be, uh, let me tell you, they are doing a brisk business at the morgue, because they were literally lined up in the hallway. They just had stretchers on either side of the hallway with bodies on them. and like, ha, we don't have room for them all. Like, Jesus Christ, I thought Canada was a calm place. It, well, not in Not in 1990,
0: <laughs> not apparently. 1990, apparently. <laughs> so they go down all the line of, you know, whatever. And they finally find a body. Oh, Bruno Clavel? No, <laughs> it's not Bruno Clavel. It's actually his name, his nickname, the mortician nicknamed him Rock Hard. And Rock Hard, you find out, uh, by pulling back the sheet that, uh, yeah... He actually had, you know, a very large penis. And this Frank it makes the great comment. He says if he's donating his organs for science, put me down for a dick transplant. To do. And the
1: morgue guy guy is like, yeah, I heard that.
0: (laughs) And then they high-five each other.
1: (laughs) All this while they have a woman who's just had to kill a guy in self-defense. They're walking down there. The morgue guy and Frank are having this conversation. Meanwhile, Tony, Chris Sarandon, is just standing there with her like, Oh, uh, yeah, this is just how this goes. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, he would, they
0: were doing like the How I Met Your Mother thing when they were talking via their eyes. He was like, don't worry.
1: We're going to have scotch after this, and then we're going to fuck. <laughs> we're going to get drunk, and we're going to fuck after this. It's fine. <laughs> so that, you know, they, they, she looks at him and says, yep, that's definitely the guy I stabbed. And they all say, ah, Bruno Clavel. They make her say the name Bruno Clavel because we say it a million times in this movie. That's going to be my alias if I ever go on the run. It's going to be Bruno Clavel. Okay,
0: well, now everyone knows, so you can't use that one. Shh,
1: I'm not gonna You're going to have
0: to use dick transplant.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, now I really am not 100% on when the sex scene happened because, I mean, we're really talking about the sex scene because it's, you know, it's Chris and I thought it happened after the unfortunate. (laughs) Uh, Well, before we get into that, let me pause. We find out that the family, the Clavel family, does not want one hair touched on Bruno Clavel. They want no autopsy. They want nothing. They want to just seal him up and send
1: him back to the family to be buried.
0: Yeah, send him back to the family. Like, okay, I didn't
1: even think that was a thing you could do, Like, but okay. Well, they have some money, and they tell the uh, funeral home director there at the hometown where he's at, don't do anything to him, don't open the bag, do nothing, just put him, don't dress him, do anything, just put him in the coffin, and we'll have the funeral. They don't want anything done to him.
0: Yeah, and, oh man, that guy.
1: Oh, we'll get to him in a minute. That's my favorite part of the movie, because it's so insane. So, yeah, go ahead. Take it. So, yeah, they, you know, while she's uh, after with Chris, she's with Chris Sarandon, like Chris, her after Chris Sarandon and her have had sex a couple of times, he decides to go down to the store and get some wine or something. I don't remember what it was. He was going down to the store to get something. Well, while he's gone, Bruno Clavel breaks in again and tries to kill her. She tells Chris Sarandon this, and he's like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure we saw his body. She's like, look, you saw the, like, blood on the doorway where, like, I had stabbed him again. And you you know that something's going on here. So She's, that, like,
0: literally taking a bath.
1: like Yeah, and he breaks in, tries to kill her. Tells her once more, I'm going to fuck you, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to put a stake through your heart. He's very vampire-obsessed. So they decide, okay, look, there's obviously something weird going on here, so we're going to go down to where, uh, that's where they find out Bruno's been transferred, because they go to look at the body again, they're like, oh, the body's gone. So they go down to his hometown to look, they go to talk to the funeral director there, because they're like, oh, he handled everything. So they go to talk to him, cut to the inside of the funeral home, there's the funeral director, up on top of a woman that's laying on the slab, she's like, you know, a little blue, you know, her lips are blue, skin pale, white, bloodless. She's laying there while he's just humping her brains out. He's going to town. And then the they, you know, they keep hollering for him to come up front, come up front. And he's like, fine, damn it. And then he gets up, you know, off of her, putting these pants on. Says, well, I guess you uh, aren't going anywhere, huh, sweetie? Then she just raises up and goes, Yeah, actually I have to go pick my kids up and it takes a long time to get all this makeup off.
0: Yeah, I was I was like, Look, this is where the movie's going, I'm done watching this movie. Like I cannot see like necrophilia or whatever happening before my fucking eyes.
1: Yeah, they really threw it hard into that and you thought, Oh god, this guy's really weird Which he is still really weird, but not as bad as you thought. He just likes to pretend they're dead. He doesn't want to actually have sex with the corpses. Just people who look like them. Oh God, yeah, to go out of your
0: way to like have her put makeup on her so she looks dead. Or he probably did the makeup himself.
1: Who knows? That's a lot. Go lay in the freezer for a while. It'll be fine. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so, this is where you get into the really creepy stuff of the movie. And you find out that spoiler alert if you don't want to know the secrets of whispers it's been out for 30 years and the book's out for 40 years uh the reason that the bruno comes back from the dead is that he didn't come back from the dead he has an identical twin and not only are they identical twins they were the product of incest from uh their mother their father was her father Ew. yeah and she had this is a little like the changeling you know where they they faked like a birth and everything in that movie and or they you know they swapped a kid mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens in this one that he has the daughter tell everyone that she's going to adopt her college friend who's died she's going to adopt her baby so she goes and has birth secretly in a whorehouse and they're like oh shit you had twins what are we going to do So instead of just these people, you know, they're committing incest and doing all kinds of other shit, you thought they would have just killed one of them, but no. She takes them both home and she decides to raise them, but make them pretend to be one person. They have to do everything exactly the same. So I guess one gets a few days outside, then has to come back in, the other one does it. They have to act exactly the same at all times. And when they don't, (coughs) excuse me, she locks them in the cellar. Where they get surrounded by all the beetles that live down there. And the beetles make little whispering noises. And that's why the movie is called Whispers. Because the twins are all freaked out by hearing the beetles whisper to the... There you go. There's
0: your ASMR. There's your ASMR.
1: That's me pretending to do a beetle. Portion of the beetle.
0: So, yeah. Before we even get to this uh, whole thing with the thing... He's, Bruno Clavel is, like, stark naked, okay, because he just finished killing Hillary's, like, friend slash business partner or whatever, and he is, he decides, ah, I killed somebody, so let me go upstairs to her, like, fucking whatever, her shower, take a, take a shower. And he's, like, making out with himself in the mirror, okay? I was like, what the... F- I'm t- I'm not talking about, like, oh, it was, like, a smooch. I'm talking about, like, there's... He's very into himself.
1: Yeah. And so, it makes you wonder if there was something else going on with him and his twin.
0: Hells yes! They were probably doing each other. Like, hello? God... Gosh. Who knows? Maybe the mom... Look yes okay maybe you might have some psychological trauma of like being locked up in a you know freaking what it wasn't an addict and a cellar a <clears> storm <throat> cellar you know with beetles all around but not to the point where now you're seeing your mom and women that have blonde hair or just a woman in general and then you're fucking killing everybody and then the other thing is. What set him off? That's the part of the movie we don't like. We never find out what sets him off because he's been living for like 35, 40 years just fine without killing anyone. And then all of a sudden... He's like, you know what? I'm not going to be the, you know, savvy businessman and like predominant figure in the co- in the community anymore. I'm just going to be a psychopathic killer. Wasn't
1: well, it? Because remember, they find like a whole like basket of driver's license of women that he's killed too.
0: Uh, yeah. He he. Ha- okay. I so I take that So he's been back. doing it for a while. I take that back. They do find the license. Every since the mom
1: died, they he's been they've been going around and killing the mom again over and over. They really hated her. Yeah, they did not like her at all, and I, I can see why. I mean, if you lock like me in the uh, beetle cellar, I'm not going to be real happy with you.
0: Oh yeah, there's that whole thing like I'm going to kill uh, this person, but they're dead, and I'm just going to keep killing them
1: because I have to. I have, I have to do it. it just I got to do something to make me happy.
0: Well, that was not making you happy because then the next scene later on, he's caressing his dead body, and what I mean his dead body, Bruno Clavel the twin the second <laughs> the second bruno too who's covered so now we're in major creepy form like okay you're making out with yourself fine you're a psychopathic killer fine you're going around whispering fucking weird shit okay but now you're in in a in in bed naked with your brother who's dead also naked also naked okay blue like the we the yeah, the eyes are so shut. It's gross, and he's like caressing his chest and touching his hair, and I'm like, mm, mm, mm. no, no, no.
1: Yeah, it it was uh, a little over the top, creepy. Oh, and
0: he also was very cult obsessed. The, he was obsessed with the cult. There was like, you know, weird cult shit everywhere.
1: Oh yeah, this was my favorite character in the movie though. Was when they go to the bookstore. That uh, Bruno has been frequenting and buying all this his cult literature and they talk to the guy there and they say something to him. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but he says, oh, well, I'm a Satanist. And they go, oh, so you're like, he's like, yes, I pray for the day that the blood runs red in the streets and everyone dies under Satan's boot. Well, you guys have a nice day. I hope you find what you're looking for. Uh, and then just goes on with his life. Like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Good
0: luck with that, pal. Another line she says is, I'll blow your goddamn balls off. It's another favorite line Hillary uh, says. There, there are some like key key lines in this
1: film. Look, there's a reason there aren't a lot of Dean Koontz adaptions. Is because a lot of Dean Koontz's stuff is really weird and all over the place. And incest is a theme in a lot of his books. There's another one he did called I think it's called The Bad Place. That's about the same kind of thing about a crazy mother that's creating mutant children and and all that. It's very strange. So he has some interesting themes in his that are like, "Ah, I can see where this doesn't translate well to the screen. So even though... Not
0: a spoiler alert, but... Even though the Friday the 13th series had nothing to do with Friday the 13th, the movie, okay, they decide... Maybe this was fucking coincidence. Who the fuck knows? They decide at the end of the film... Let's put Hillary in a very Betsy Palmer-esque fucking Friday the 13th sweater. Yeah. While she's <laughs> a cream-colored sweater, while she's down in the fucking cellar, pretending to be the mom Yeah, to lure the son into the fucking cellar or whatever, so she can, you know, oh, be, be the shit out of
1: Yeah. Yes, Bruno Clavel. I don't know what that was about. She's pretending to be Mama Clavel, yeah. That whole thing was very Friday the 13th Part 2.
0: And then, you know, Chris Sarandon, he tries to save her whatever and that oh, he tries to he goes they go into the house and that's when they find you know the big ass mansion and all the creepy shit and the fucking portrait of the grandfather yeah with the mom who looks like hillary who's has like the blonde hair and the, the, the buggy eyes and you you find the cult stuff and the dead body there's all it's just so it's like oh my god everything is here and then, of course, there's the
1: fight out. Chris Sarandon gets knocked the fuck out. He gets stabbed a couple of times. I'm like, he's dead. I feel like this is one of those things where in the original version of it that he died, and then somebody did a test audience and said, I, I don't like that they killed him. Let's bring him back. Because he gets stabbed in the back, like, right yeah. where the heart would be. He should be dead, but then he pops up later to help save the day, and you're like, oh, okay. I feel like that was a test audience that was like, mm, I don't like that. But they didn't really bother to reshoot the scene where he died. They just said, "Ah, eh, we'll say he lived.
0: This movie, I don't, I would never watch this film again. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm never watching this. Um, we actually forgot to mention where we saw this film. And I have also forgot. I believe it was.
1: It's on the, I think it's on uh, IMDb TV.
0: Yes. I think that and if it and if that's not where we saw the film then we will post it.
1: I believe it was cuz we watched it on Amazon, but I believe it was through the IMDb TV because they're linked up with Amazon and <coughs> excuse me. You can kind of watch one and the other on there. If you don't have the app for the IMDb TV, you can watch it on Amazon. They pop up on the same thing. Okay. In case anyone
0: out there wants to watch Should this Should actually want to
1: see it. I don't know why you would, but just in case. I think it's also on YouTube. It probably is. Um, I'm sorry. This we. I'm sorry. It is available on IMDb TV, but it's also available on Tubi. Okay. So you can get it on Tubi, and you can also get it on IMDb TV. This is where we watched it, but it is also now on Tubi. So that would have probably been easier.
0: You know, if everyone anyone wants to watch this movie, I give this. I give it only. I give it two knives. You know what? No, no. No. I give it one and a half knife. Because there are other films i give given two knives and those movies were somewhat better than this one. The movie is not good. It's not a good movie. It is entertaining because they say some crazy shit in the movie and, you know, some crazy crap happens.
1: I feel like this would have been a pretty good like one hour episode of Law & Order. You know? <laughs> yeah, like if it was an hour long episode of Law and Order or one of those ones like that, it was a little too long, a little too stretched out, they could have got to the point faster. This would have been a decent Law and Order or X Files episode. Yeah, that you know, that would have probably been a pretty decent X Files if they you know, where they find out that it's actually twins. Oh, the cats are just trying to kill each other.
0: I know that you said that you read this a long time ago, so you probably couldn't tell me if this is how close the
1: adaptation I is. I remember parts of it being the when I watched it I remember there's parts of it that seemed like they came right out of the book and then the main thing with all the Dean Coons things is there's so much like that people are thinking in their head mm. and so you don't get any of that on the on the movie of course but it's basically the same they just cut down some different things from what I remember but I read this I went through a Dean Coons phase in college where I read just about everything of his and came to the conclusion that there's not a lot of good Dean Coons stuff.
0: Damn. That's cold-blooded, yeah. man.
1: Yeah, there's just... I feel
0: like you're biased because you're a huge King fan. So... Well, that's
1: why I started reading all the Dean Coons stuff, because I had read all the Stephen King that was out at the time, and then I started reading through the Dean Coons because I got somebody that told me, like, oh, if you like that Stephen King, you'd probably like Dean Coons. Yeah, not so much. I wish
0: we would have known each other, and then I would have just told you to read John Saul, because that was my favorite horror writer before I even read anything let me think about that for a second I just want to make sure that it's true before I read Stephen King's horror novels <laughs> um I read a lot of John Saul I probably four or five maybe more he has a shit ton um but I read enough to know that I really like him and his stuff and his all of his books were a lot of had to do with children you know yeah but not in a weird way. Well, depending on the book. But
1: Well, the thing with the Dean Koontz ones is that like they're basically all the same like structure and plot. Mm. There's always a woman that gets in some kind of distress. A cop or ex-soldier or ex-cop that comes in and helps her. They fall in love. They live happily ever after. That's the basic plot of every Dean Koontz book.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, Except
1: sometimes, as he got, as it went on, they switched it. Had it be a guy that's in trouble, and it's a woman, ex cop or ex military. As he got, as times changed a little bit, he started switching it up. But that's pretty much the gist of every Dean Koontz novel.
0: Hillary did live, and so did Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Um, who knows? Did they live to live uh, happily ever after? Who the fuck knows? Do I care? No, I don't.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give it two knives, too, just because, like I said, there's some crazy lines in it and some creepiness. It it doesn't uh, shy away from being super creepy. I'll give it that. It is creepy. It does have a creep factor to it.
0: Um, Not so much, I mean, he kills one person.
1: Yeah.
0: Really, in the movie. He attempts to
1: kill that one chick many times, but... Yeah, really, the only person you see killed is the one assistant, and that's it. So, yeah, there's not, like you know, Bloodbath City. This could, if you cut down the creep, the creepiness of it a little bit, this could have very easily been a lifetime movie. Oh
0: gosh. Yeah, I guess. That's really not good. Yeah, it could have very <laughs> easily have
1: been a lifetime channel movie if you just, even, well, even now it would be a lifetime movie. They could just do this as a lifetime movie. Back in 1990, they would have cut some of the creepiness out of it, but it could have very easily been a lifetime movie. Okay. Okay
0: well thank you for joining us on our novel to scream series this month um yeah i can't wait for next month i'm like dying for next month to come but you know every time october begins i feel the sadness immediately like october 1st i'm super happy and then i'm super sad because i know that It's going to be over with a fucking blink of an eye. And then I have to wait another 365 days for it to come again. So, which would be Halloween. So, I'm trying to really make it a full Halloween-esque month this month for, you know, my life. Uh, And maybe the podcast. Who knows what shenanigans we're going to be up to. Uh, We will not be covering a movie every week like we did that one year. You mean... Yeah, we covered, like, one movie. We covered one
1: movie. A day for a week.
0: Oh, a day for a week, yes.
1: Ordinarily, honey, we cover a movie a week. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, that's what I meant. I I was thinking one movie every day of the month. Yeah. But it came out the wrong way. No, we will not be doing that. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Jump Scare. Stay tuned to the horror.